0: On this episode of China Unscripted, how a Chinese food YouTuber became a target of censorship for the Chinese Communist Party. Welcome to China Unscripted. I'm Chris Chappell. I'm Shelley Zhang. And I'm Matt Ganesta. And joining us today is Mike Chen of the YouTube show Strictly Dumpling. He's also an old friend. Mike, glad to have you here today.
1: Thanks, guys. haven't seen you guys in uh, many a years. Yeah,
0: it's been a really long time. I wish the uh, the reunion was under better circumstances, but... Well, before we get into that, our audience is a little more Chinese politics, not necessarily Chinese cooking. Maybe they don't know too much about you or what you do. So why don't, why don't you give a rundown of who you
1: are? Well, basically, I, I just make travel food shows mainly. Pretty much that's about it. I don't dive too much into politics. Um, so... Uh, Not as much as you guys, obviously, so I just try to keep the content pretty lighthearted. I love food, just want to showcase that. I love culture, I love traveling, so that's the main theme of what I do.
0: Mm -hmm. And you also make a living as a Jackie Chan impersonator, is that correct?
1: Well, apparently he is my long-lost father, according to many people, so um, if that is the case, I would like my claim in his will. (laughs) (laughs) Good, Good luck with that. Okay,
0: so let's get down to it. Let's uh, let's talk about the, the news that just happened to you. You were recently on uh, the very famous YouTuber Nigel Nigeling, uh, also known as Uncle Roger. You did a, a collab with him, and that ended in uh, sort of a surprising manner. What? Let, let tell us that story.
1: Well, I mean, it's kind of shocking for me because I mean, it was it was fine. That the collab went well. I think the reception of the video was really good. Um, Obviously, it was just about dumplings and nothing political.
0: It was strictly dumplings.
1: Well, yeah, very strictly. Not the prettiest dumplings, but strictly dumplings. And uh, so, I wake up one day and I start getting messages from people saying he apologized about the video. And I was very, like, just confused, like, why would he apologize for the video, I don't understand. Uh, But I didn't really think too much of it until I think it was Hong Kong Free Press. Uh, Sent me in an article asking for a quote, and I was like, what, "What? What's going on? I have no idea what's going on." So then I look into it, and and I, and I was gonna message him, and I realized he unfollowed me on Instagram. Oh, so I was wow. like, "Oh, okay, all right, something something's up." I don't know why why is he why is he up so me? So then I, I looked looked at the article, and it was uh, apparently posted an apology letter on Weibo, which is a Chinese Twitter social media site, basically stating that if he knew about my political affiliations, then he i think I, I can't i'm not may not be exactly reciting the words but
0: well i do i do have his words right here in in this apology he, he said i wasn't aware of his you uh wasn't aware of his political thoughts and his past incorrect remarks about china this is my negligence do, do you know what he's talking about what are your uh incorrect remarks about china
1: i have no idea. I have posted many a times about the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, I posted on June 4th. I the post- Tiananmen
0: Square Massacre anniversary.
1: Tiananmen Square massacre. massacre. I posted about uh, the Uyghur issue That when the Hong Kong umbrella protest was happening. I posted a lot about my support for uh, the Hong Kong people um, trying to win their democracy and freedom. Um, so I do a lot of these posts. Oh, the Uyghur issues, you know, especially during Mulan. I mean, I do post these things. Uh, Quite often, just to shed light on an issue I feel like is very underreported, but I stand by everything I post. So uh, I have no idea which statements. I mean, people are free to feel free. I mean, my posts are still there. Feel free to look at them and see where I might have stated something incorrectly. So I don't know what he meant by that. And some people figured it was about the June 4th post. I have no idea. If it is, then... I don't know what is incorrect about it
0: so you think what happened was he got pressure from either uh, a sponsor or maybe followers in china
1: yeah i i guess i mean i must be um wrestling some feathers in mainland china i uh, i didn't know they followed me so so closely i guess i do now <laughs> um that when i appeared on in his video like i i, I guess what might have happened is people messaged him and was like hey um, this guy, you know, um, he, his viewpoints are this and that, and you shouldn't be working with him. So I, I'm thinking it could be something like that. But at, at the end of the day, um, I like, look, I get it. Like I said in my statement, I don't dislike him. I don't, <laughs> I don't have any ill, ill will towards him. I don't feel any ill will towards him. The thing is, this thing never came up before. Like it never, it's never occurred to me to be like, wait a minute, I, I should, uh, maybe, I guess, start warning people if they want to do a collab with me that they might get this kind of stuff from China. I just, ne- this, this stuff never occurred before. I feel like, I mean, there was one time, like a few weeks ago, I was on um a podcast and they got some messages about, uh, about, oh, you shouldn't have my chin on. Um, but they brushed it off because, you know, I I told them, I, you know, I told them um what I stand for. Not before the podcast, like, you know, just talking to them afterwards, you know, when they brought this issue up to me. But it was very uh, shocking to me that people would actually message people I'm collabing with and just say, you shouldn't have them on and um, um, and exert so much pressure that a, a video is deleted. So.
0: Well, I think at this point, I would just like to apologize to China for having Mike Chen on. I was unaware of his incorrect remarks. Please forgive me for this continued podcast. Uh, <laughs> so just I just want to be clear. So in this collab video you did uh with uncle roger you didn't talk about politics and no we talked about dumplings strictly dumplings and since then he hasn't talked to you about any of this
1: no he has not um like i said uh i just you know woke up and found that he unfriended me on uh, social media uh and i wish he would have reached out um so we could have a mature conversation about it it could have worked out in a in a bunch of different ways. Like, I think he could have just deleted the video or just say he doesn't agree with my viewpoints. But to kind of say my comments about China is incorrect, I feel like it's, it's a little much. You didn't have to go that far. Um,
2: it's interesting because in the Weibo, the comments on the Weibo post that he made, a lot of people seemed kind of surprised or just didn't know what he was apologizing for. And usually if it's like some big you know, pile on that's like, you know, a lot of Wu are coming or like a lot of like, you know, Little Pinks or people who are very nationalistic, like, you know that there's something happening. So people would know. So that makes it seem like maybe it was more of like a business thing that it was like a business partner or a sponsor or something that, you know, warned him. I mean, but like you said, you've, this has never happened to you. I mean, you have a big YouTube channel. You have over 3 million subscribers. I mean, you're just as big, if not bigger than Uncle Roger.
1: Um, no, it has never happened before. I've done dozens of collabs. Um, this has never happened. Uh but I guess I also haven't done a collab with uh someone who has audiences inside mainland China. So this could be uh could be it could be something I should be aware of in the future. Um yeah. and look, I'm not out there to ruin anyone's uh business or trying to or ruin anyone's uh um, way of making money or anything like that. I mean, this is just a British guy, you know, like not a British guy, a Malaysian guy. He's living in London. So I didn't think too much about anything. Again, like this is never something that ever crosses my mind before I do a collab. It's like, should I warn people that I said some stuff about China? Like I never even will consider thinking like that. Um, but so that, that's why this whole thing was was pretty shocking.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think for for us, of course, we're obviously hostile anti-China forces trying to destroy the motherland i mean that's obvious from anyone who watches our show but when you're a food and travel blogger it's like it, it shouldn't even have to intersect like you stand for human rights in china but not as like a theme of your show no
1: and that's something i don't bring to my show i don't think i've ever really brought to my show uh i've talked about the fact that i've tried this going. yeah i actually
0: was curious about it because i'm kind of amazed at your response to nigel like i am furious for you and yet you you seem so calm about it and like you wish him no ill will how does your faith play into that like that that response seems incredible to me
1: i mean well look it's again i don't i don't fault anybody for you know whatever they they, they think is in their best interest like uh, everyone has their own priorities Um, like I, I've been really upfront for many years. I practice Falun Gong, which is, uh, based on truthfulness, compassion, and tolerance. And ever since I started practicing, um, a long time ago, I've been trying to make myself better, you know, by cultivating through those three principles. So I don't try to blame someone or, um, try to, you know, uh, right away react in a way that like oh this person is this person's fault or react in anger like i don't try to do that i try to take a look at this look at a situation as calmly as i can and yeah i mean it's it's tough when the ccp wants to get you or chinese netizens they want to um get their you know what they want you to go a certain way i mean since then of course i, I i've been getting a lot of uh, backlash as well like I, i've been getting a lot of support and love from like um uh, you know the Uyghur community, Hong Kong people, and like mm-hmm. people who want democracy in China, but also backlash because people are like, "Oh, you you practice Falun Gong, blah blah blah, you're in an evil cult and stuff like that." For me, like again, my show is very there's nothing really political about it, just food and travel, and I don't really try to bring any of the political stuff into that. Um, I certainly don't try to uh, say, "Oh, everyone should practice Falun." Gong. Like I never done that. Like. It's just, it's my faith. It's something that helped me. Um, So, and that's why, like, I feel like it's, uh, it's important to keep bringing up issues um, in China, especially ones that prohibit the freedom of religion, prohibit the freedom of belief, prohibit the freedom of speech, because these are basic human rights that I should have, you know, that I have right now in the U.S., but even so, I'm getting attacked somewhat. It's just like, hey, you know, you're this and that and um I, I wish people can learn more about following going and it's not it's not evil obviously it saved my life i was going through a severe depression um back in college and contemplated you know killing myself multiple times and um this is what kind of pulled me from the brinks so i'm never going to say anything bad about something that was so helpful to me and to my family um my dad was a very aggressive huge temper person that uh, after he started cultivating and really um really nowadays you see him he's the most compassionate person um so it' really changed our whole family my mom as well um so I'm not gonna say anything I would never like say anything about it i was always i, w- I would always try to defend uh Falun Gong to to anybody um but i'm I'm getting messages like he hates mixed race people uh he hates Gays okay, like, this is, it's so ridiculous that, like, the amount of absurdity of these comments is just, like, I hate mixed, I've i been in plenty of mixed relationship mixed uh, race relationships. As long as you're a good person, you can love whoever you want, you can do whatever makes you happy. As long as you're a good person, then I love you. Like, I don't have any hate towards anybody. So, this kind of brought a lot of that stuff up as well. Um... But yeah, so kind of a shocking week for me.
0: Definitely. And actually, let me ask you this question, because I have seen this in, in recently in Western media, not not Chinese state-run media, but in Western media, uh, reports that Falun Gong practitioners believe Trump will bring about the apocalypse. Is that true?
1: I mean, I, look, I have no idea, but I never read anything like that. I, I try to actually, I try to stay as apolitical as I can, because honestly, I don't want to get into more politics and especially here because it's just, it's depressing and it's heartbreaking. I just, I just couldn't take any of the political stuff anymore. It was like, I just feel like this country kind of really split and uh, it just, it up my anxiety, just kind of trying to follow the stuff. So I stopped doing it. So, uh, as a problem going practitioner myself, uh. I don't think anything like that. I, I'm just trying to be as good as I can, as compassionate as I can, and keep trying to be compassionate and truthful and tolerant and just work on myself That's and do my meditations. And that's all I'm trying to do It's trying to improve myself.
0: So Donald Trump is not a core part of a Chinese spiritual practice that began in 1992? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read anything like that, but I, I mean, I not for me. The funny thing is about that claim is like uh, so, so the claim that like Falun Gong practitioners believe Trump will bring the apocalypse like out of context. I could believe like Falun Gong is like incredibly left wing then because it seems like the left is always like Trump is going to bring about the end of the world. Oh, right. Uh, OK. Yeah. You get it. Yeah. Anyways.
2: Uh, well, I find it interesting that like a lot of the things that you were talking about, Mike, you know, they actually kind of originate in Chinese propaganda. Yeah. Essentially. Um even like some of these like claims from Western media or, um, you know, what you were saying about people saying that you were in a cult or whatever, that is like straight from the party line. Um, and it's interesting to me that even outside China, um, so many people would just believe that and, and you know, use it to kind of accuse you or uh, to like uh, invalidate like you as a person or what you're saying.
3: Right, it's like attacking the person rather than attacking what they actually said.
1: Right, and it's... I mean, I'm really passive at this point in my life. I don't want to get into conflicts. I don't want to get into controversies. I just want to eat my food. I want to film my videos because I know they're uplifting. They help a lot of people, um, make people feel happier. That's really what I want to do. But yeah, but a lot of attacks and... uh, I mean, just straight up nonsense stuff. Um, And also... I think another one was, uh, oh, he's in charge of marketing for NTD. I'm not like, I haven't been inside that office in over six years. And I mean, back when I was there, I was, you know, doing, you know, some YouTube stuff, like when, when we first did off the Great wall, but that was a long time ago, um, and I did some other stuff, but like, I haven't been there in six years, so I'm not currently the head of NTD anything. Um,
2: Is that, it's supposed to be an insult?
1: Well, I think they're like, oh, he's in charge of this 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 media that's spreading all this propaganda in the US Like uh, look, I don't even really watch NTD. I don't know what they're doing right now But I'm certainly not in charge of anything besides my own YouTube channels
0: Well, I think it is important that uh, people are held accountable for jobs They had in the past because that has an influence on what they're doing now So this is why I'd like to take this opportunity to say I used to work for mrs. Fields cookies and China Uncensored is really an extension of the Mrs. Fields industry.
1: That's good to know, man.
0: Yeah.
2: I used to work at a Jewish day camp.
0: Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's back away from this now. <laughs> but but it is very, really very interesting. Like I've noticed, like, for example, you've talked about the Uyghurs. Nobody, when they're talking about like, you know, mass concentration camps and forced sterilization of Uyghurs. You don't have the media going like, ah, but they're Muslims. Do you know about the Muslims? Do you know what the Muslims believe? And yet Falun Gong is treated entirely differently.
1: Right, right. um There, that does happen, um like you said. So, I don't know. I don't know what it is that scares so, people so much about it's really like. I'm really mellow now because of Falun Gong. I didn't used to be this way. I didn't used to be. All that compassionate i didn't used to be all that calm um anything was set me off i used to get in fights all the time um but i can only say wh- how it helped me again pull me back from the brinks of despair i guess hopelessness and my whole family too um so i don't know why there is this target and i think a lot of it has to do like you said Shelly, like stuff from the state propaganda like when i mean people really need to look at when you know when the persecution of Falun Gong started, like it was something that was applauded by the government, like for so many years as a great Gong exercise and so many people start practicing it and it was so great until one day, it wasn't great anymore. That's what the government decided and the crackdown began. And then now, and then it's labeled called, and, you know, and the practitioners like are systematically tortured and persecuted. And this is why I stand so strong with other groups that are persecuted by the CCP as well because I know I am part of a group that if I went to China right now, I probably wouldn't be able to come back. I I don't know. And this is something, again, it's something like uh, none of it, the persecution of Falun Gong, the persecution of Uyghurs, um, Tibetans. These are not news topics that are really popular. They're not topics that come up a lot. So I think, um, at least for me, I feel like I have a responsibility to to talk about it. Do you think like, what
0: happened with nigel has given you an opportunity to do that
1: um i think i had to clarify clarify the the comments that he made um because he did say my comments about china were inaccurate so that's why i went on record and i talked to the press about this because i wanted to stand by my comments and not just let people think that yeah okay he said my comments were inaccurate then i just kind of backed down from that um they're not inaccurate they're probably um, very, very tame compared to uh, so much of what's happening over there.
0: Well, if anything, this has shown me the real reach of uh, the Chinese Communist Party's censorship. The fact, like when I first found out about, about, about Uncle Roger, I never would imagine that there would come a time where he would be like desperately sen- self-censoring and censoring you or anyone else to uh, be because of essentially because of a persecution the chinese communist party began over 20 years ago
1: yeah i mean i again i don't know i don't even i don't know what happened with this whole thing i don't know who reached out to him or talked to him but yeah i mean the the extent of the um the reach of the ccp censorship it's it's global it's very global and anybody who wants any part of the china market which a lot of people do you can't have any part of you that they don't like but the thing is like they might like you today, but they might not like you tomorrow for a different reason. So, I mean, look at Jack, what happened to Jack Ma. I mean, I don't know what exactly what's going on with that, but nobody knows where he is. I mean, he was the one of the richest guy in China, but now where where is he? Like nobody knows. So uh, it's kind of like getting, getting in bed with, uh, with, a, with a snake. You don't know when it's going to cuddle with you, I guess. Do snakes cuddle? I, don't, I have no idea. Clearly, you're a man who has never been in bed with a snake. Well, that's too bad. You should. uh no, just kidding. I
2: don't know. I don't know what's like. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I think even your dad, Jackie Chan, right, you know, spent years <laughs> like I remember very clearly, like, you know, when I was a kid, I would watch Jackie Chan action movies with my dad. And then when I grew up and like realized his complete toadying to the Chinese Communist Party, I was so disappointed in him. But then a few years ago, he got in trouble uh, with the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah. I mean, so, even
3: even prominent Communist Party members are not safe from being persecuted by the Communist Party.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, it, it doesn't help you in the end. Um, has it made you uh, concerned about, you know, your own YouTube channel and your own like being able to, you know, do business with other people or that kind of stuff since this scandal happened?
1: I mean, it definitely came across ac- uh, my mind. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I don't work with any brands in China, um, obviously, but it has crossed my mind. I mean, they could censor me. I mean, they have the power to reach out to people and, and censor me, I guess. But we all got to sleep at night. You know, we all got to look at ourselves in, in the mirror the next morning and be okay with ourselves. So, I mean, I don't have the most giant platform in the world, but I'll, I'll lend a voice to those who really need it and um and again there's not a lot of people speaking up about the ccp i don't i mean i can't i mean i i know a lot of people influencers apologize to the ccp you know k-pop stars i know there's a couple instances of that there's not a lot of people standing up to the ccp so even if it cost me what i have then again at least i can sleep at night so we all have to make a decision in our lives to What do you want you want fame you want money or you want a clear conscience at the end
0: and i think some broader context uh, for people watching is that you know even multinational companies have done essentially what uncle roger did somebody will post something about the dalai lama or hong kong as happened in the nba and then there will just be this masked apology of like oh gosh i'm so sorry so like if if the Chinese Communist Party is able to pressure gigantic na- uh, international corporations, from some perspective, I can understand how like this one little YouTuber, Nigel Ng, can be swayed by that. That's a lot of pressure.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's why I said I'd never held any ill will towards him. I, I even understood why it happened. But for me, I just wanted to clarify the incorrect Chinese comment part, because I don't want people to feel like I've said stuff that was inaccurate and I wasn't able to stand, I wasn't standing up for what I said. Uh,
0: And what I hope comes out of this is, especially after the coronavirus and everything that's happened over the past year, I I would hope there is a movement uh, in the American society of people like choosing like not to do business with China because of these crimes against humanity. Uh, You know, Apple, instead of lobbying against a Uyghur forced labor bill, should be supporting that kind of effort people should be buying like i know you have a new chili oil that you're selling like that should be you should be the new laoganma that's what i'm saying mike amy logon pa
3: i would buy that
0: and yeah i think that that is important like you do have this very this very cool platform that is an alternative to you know like how should people look at Nigel Ling, Uncle, Uncle Roger, like he has caved to pressure from an authoritarian regime? That versus you, who is like still incredibly tolerant about this. I'm more mad than you are.
1: Well, uh, I appreciate the support, Chris. Um, but yeah, like it's not it's no sense in getting too mad or upset about anything. Just I feel always calmly explaining the situation works best. That's What? That people what? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: so, uh, Mike, you know, we talked a little bit about the the backlash or the hate that you've been getting. Uh, how how are most people taking it on on your channel? Are they pretty supportive?
1: Yeah, um, I think uh, when the stories came out, um, most people have been very supportive, and uh, and I do really appreciate that. And a lot of positive messages. It's just when you start digging into um, the Twitter stuff. You know, it just stuff just start coming out. Um, very much appreciate like especially people from Hong Kong, um, people from Taiwan, people who uh, you know, have known firsthand of the oppression of the CCP. Um, again, the Uyghur community, the Tibetans have reached out. So uh, I appreciate everyone's, you know, support because these are people who are genuinely affected firsthand um by what by what the CCP has done. And I've said this many a times. Like, I love China. Like, people think I'm inside China. I'm not anti China at all. I love China. I wish I'd go back tomorrow and live forever there. If I could, I would. Um, but CCP is not China. I mean, CCP took over China well over 70 years ago and the deaths and destructions. And, you know, I get some messages saying, oh, it's so much better now. The CCP helps so many Chinese people. I choose to believe that if they didn't, take over China, China will be even better. It will be even more prosperous because the Chinese people are that smart, that hardworking, and that country would have prospered dramatically and without all this censorship and lack of freedom that people are experiencing right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I understand the the people who, inter- who like message you and say it's better in China now, because I mean, we were both born in China. Uh, and uh, you know, a lot of people are proud of how far it's come. But at the same time, when you know the truth that they are putting millions of Uyghurs in concentration camps, when they are harvesting organs from people, when they are literally committing genocide. people like you. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm sure, Mike, you know people who've been tortured in China. Like, like when you know that that's what's happening behind the scenes, uh, it becomes very hard to you know say well yeah it's doing so much better because i don't know there's always like a like that um the terrible stuff that's happening that people don't know about and it's very hard to talk to people about it um in china or who are from china because uh you know they they want to be proud of their country and it's it it's difficult to um you know nobody wants to think that like Oh my God! Like my country, my government, my like the Chinese Communist Party, uh, who I've been taught is my is the equivalent of, you know, my country and and me in so many ways is doing all that terrible stuff because it's almost like, you know, you're you're accusing me of doing, all of those terrible things. So it's it's very. I I mean I I understand it's very difficult to deal with.
1: Sure, and you know. I think that distinction is very hard to undo where you have to kind of distinguish the, the CCP as the CCP and China as China. Um, but again, like, I mean, I grew up that I grew up there, you know, I, I still have Zedong poems that I memorized in my head. I can't get it out. Um, so the indoctrination, the, the 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 stuff they put into your head ever since you're a kid is it's very hard to undo.
0: I wonder if we should just, just lighten... Things up a little bit because you do have a, a, an incredible show, like three million subscribers. Strictly Dumpling on Strictly Dumpling. Why don't you tell us a little bit about like food? Like what? Like you do this thing. What is what does food mean for you? And like why? Why is it such a focus of your life?
1: Well, I feel like I've always encouraged people to explore different cultures because I feel like we all have a notion of what things are and how places are before we go there. And this is something I, I experienced firsthand when I was living in, in the Midwest where everyone thought, um, all Asians are Chinese or, um, you know, all Asian food is fried rice or chow mein or General Schultz chicken, something like that. Like, obviously, I'm not trying to say like it's, that's still the case today, where as you know, there's a lot more availability of shows and, and, and the internet, and, and people are being able to um, experience more diversity. But back then, this was what I experienced firsthand from my friends and people around me. Um, so I always wanted to do a show where it can explore different cultures. And food is something I always felt like the best way to explore any culture is taking a bite out of it because food is it's always, there's always a story behind it. Um, not only is it good, it's, it's nourishing, it's fulfilling. It is also a lot of foods, food items are historic. And they're um, they, some of them, like I know a lot of Chinese food, have legendary tales behind them about their origins and um, why they are what they are. So I wanted to show that to people. And also, like, I love to eat. So mm-hmm. I love to take people with me and um show them all the great stuff out there to encourage people to travel as much as they can and see as much as they can and get to know as many different cultures as they can
3: what's a a chinese dish that you've you know done a video about that has like a rich story about chinese culture well we're on the topic of dumplings
1: dumpling is one of the most historic foods in china and obviously it's something that every single culture has now a, a form of dumpling but it's got a Very amazing story, and um, obviously, it's uh, one of the staples of Chinese cooking and Chinese food. So that's why I love it so much, and that's why my channel is called called Strictly Dumpling, because back there was a time where all I ate was dumpling. Really? Why? Well, I mean, I was broke. I was living in (laughs) a basement in Brooklyn, and if you go to these Chinatown dumpling places, you can buy, like, 50 dumplings for seven bucks. I mean, it's just such a great deal. I remember those. Yeah. So you just go and boil some dumplings. They're delicious. They're filling. But after a while, you start looking like a dumpling. That's, <laughs> not, that's never good. So that's when I stopped.
0: Is MSG really the essence of flavor?
1: Look, people hate on MSG. I don't really hate on MSG. I've had, because I've been eating MSG since I was a kid. Um, but you could do a lot of flavor without MSG. That's for sure. You got to do the hot oil. That's you got to do.
0: And that's why you made your own that's why i made my own hot way get it done right so really food was a way for you to introduce china to the west
1: absolutely absolutely
0: clearly anti-china what (laughs) what is this world
2: (laughs) oh my gosh when's the last time you went to china mike
1: uh when i was 15 years old (sighs) Um, again, I loved it. Like when I went back, my parents sent me back as punishment because they really didn't have time to look after me because their restaurants were so uh busy. Uh, I ended up loving it, I didn't want to come back. Um, so I grew up, I, I didn't come to the U.S. until I was eight. Then I went back for you know, when I, when I was 13, my parents sent me back, like I just said. But 15 was uh, the last time I stepped in uh, in China, and then I started cultivating Falun Gong when I was 20-ish, and I couldn't really go back ever since then.
0: You started practicing Falun Gong in the United States?
1: Yes, in the United States. Okay.
0: And so you said your your parents were involved in the restaurant business as well. So did like any love of food come from them?
1: Well, I mean, they taught me what not to eat a lot of time because we had a westernized Chinese food. So I was always told to stay away from the General Charles chickens and the crab rangoons and things like that.
2: Um, we're supposed
3: to stay away from those. Those are the most delicious things.
1: <laughs> yes, until you discover traditional Chinese cooking, which is so much better and uh, more variety than the 30 things you see in a typical China Chinese to go place.
3: Oh that's a relief. I thought you were gonna say something about like how those things are made with like, you know. Years old oil or something.
1: They're made with pretty old oil. Um, that is another reason Um that my mom didn't want me to 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 eat it Um, because apparently I I mean, I don't know much about it now I just remember her telling me. Oh, this is made from dark oil I don't know the difference So I think dark oil maybe it's just something's oil that we don't throw out as often something like that
0: Well, why don't you tell us a bit about traditional Chinese cooking because I know it's actually a pretty big broad diverse thing and i i don't really know much about it but like so it's more than dumplings
1: well traditional chinese cooking is split into many different categories like some people say it's uh five categories some people say it's eight categories there's huayang which is the shanghainese um cuisines the the cantonese the shandong the northeastern and uh sichuan um and each has very distinct flavors and i always tell people this like china is one of the few countries in the world i feel like where you could travel from city to city, maybe even village to village, and you'll find something completely different. So you could eat Chinese food for the rest of your life and not even be able to taste even a fraction of all the different varieties. Um, and that's what makes traditional Chinese food so incredible is because there's so many different ethnic groups in China. Um, there's over 50, what, 56 ethnic groups in China, each all with their own clothing, their own customs, their own foods. Uh, you take that and you add all the provinces, all the cities, there's just countless amazing cuisines in China. So that's why I love it so much. Yeah,
0: I know like Tibetan food and um, Uyghur food is, is is very different from everything else and delicious. Yeah.
3: I, I remember when I was in, in China, cause I, uh, trying like all these different foods from Dongbei, which would be like, uh, you know, Beijing area. And then like, I went down to Yunnan province, which is in the Southwest. And like, I was very confused by what this food was. Because I was like, is this Chinese food? Like, I didn't never seen this at like, you know, you know, Beijing Panda Happiness Garden. Okay, you know? is that what you're like, eating I, in China? <laughs> I, well, no, but I mean, I just like, I was so surprised by this like variety of stuff that I'd never seen, never heard of. And that was just like, I haven't been as many places in China as, you know, as you have, I'm sure. But like, it's it's just, yeah, I mean, just so many Amazing things and then and that's what you mentioned five types of cuisine That's not even mentioning like Tibetan food and Uyghur food and then some of the other ethnic minority food Is is all just amazing stuff if you want to really break it down Like I said, every ethnic group has their own food
1: every province has their own food every city has their own food um, And it's all vastly different than each other.
0: Hey, is it true that a McDonald's in China offered a spam and Oreo sandwich I wish I had some of that. That actually sounds
1: not bad.
2: Really? That sounds terrible. You know know what it
1: is? Because when you're cooking spam, you're supposed to coat it with some sort of sugary topping.
3: Uh, Yeah, I saw your video about that and I'm like, I realized that I've been doing it wrong.
1: Yeah, you you gotta do that nice caramelized layer of of, uh, sweetness outside the spam. It's just life-changing. Pro tip.
2: Wow. Wow. All right.
0: You know, out of, this is this is the 101st podcast we've done, and I think I've finally learned something.
2: <laughs> about spam?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. The things that matter.
2: Okay. Okay. The things that matter. Uh, yeah.
0: Have I just trashed all of the work we've been doing for eight years?
2: I don't know. I think the Spam Oreo thing got you much more excited than I was expecting.
0: Well, I was thinking about if they have McRibs in China since the McRib is back, and I really love the McRib. And then that reminded me about the Spam Oreo thing.
1: I, I, like I said, I, I'm all up for uh, interesting foods, so this this could this could be good. What's the strangest thing you've ever eaten? Uh, too many. I went to a restaurant that served exclusively insects. Uh. I don't know if you guys ever had a, a spoonful of ant larva in your mouth. No. no. No.
2: They were dead, right? Well, I hope so. Yeah. Okay. Oh, they're
3: larvae, so N-
2: naturally oh, man, sweet. No. Sweet. That's really sweet, really.
3: Wait. So, what's the most delicious insect you've ever eaten?
1: I don't think I could ever say any insects really delicious. I mean, because they're so small, right? When you're eating any of them, it's more like you're tasting the spices, where you're taking the tasting the texture. You're not really tasting the insects. So, I I I think the one that went down the easiest are flash fried caterpillars because it's like a little puffy crunch, and that's it. It's like a little insecty Cheetos hmm so it's not that unpleasant you should ask what is the least unpleasant thing I've eaten <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: well I remember I,
0: I I was in Australia and uh, like a wilderness survival guy gave me uh like a, I think it was like a grub or something that he c- cooked over an open fire
1: a okay yeah
0: yeah it was actually pretty good it was just like kind of very like oily and fatty and a little ch- crispy it was actually pretty good
1: is it slimy yet satisfying
0: Ah, hey we were talking about the lion king earlier yeah. that's a, that's <laughs> weird synchronicity um oh i had a good question oh well i mean like lobsters are basically the insects of the sea
1: yeah with the Not goo on the inside.
0: True. I'm just imagining if we could genetically engineer like a really big caterpillar, it would probably be delicious.
2: No. No. Yeah, nothing could possibly go wrong with that idea. Most of the beef we
0: eat is cloned beef, I've heard.
2: No, that's not true. Is it?
0: I heard it and I didn't look into it. No sense in playing God in that one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: Okay. Well, I was going to ask you for advice on how to find good food when traveling. Because we are terrible at this. Like every time we go to somewhere, you know, for uh, China Uncensored, like we'll go to Taiwan or Hong Kong or something, we don't know what to eat and we'll end up at like a McDonald's at like 11 p.m. at night. Help us.
1: You got to ask the locals. Um, Cab drivers are really good source of information um, because all they do is drive around and eat. So ask the locals. Um, If there's a spot that a lot of them say to go to, then you hit the jackpot.
0: Mm, that's really good tips. Yeah. Do you give these kind of tips on your show?
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's no yelping in a lot not not always, but there's not always an app that tells you what's good in other countries. So, got to rely on the locals. They know what's best. Nice.
0: And you just got back from uh, a food tour of Korea, correct? What was that like?
1: Uh, Korea is one of my favorite places to go to. So, it was very enjoyable. Um I love Korean food. It was one of my favorite foods. Uh, and um, I got to try some really good stuff at Shake Shack in Korea. Really? Like what? Like a uh, Gochujang burger, which was delicious because uh, most people don't know in Korea, the meat quality is so much better. Um, so the burgers actually taste really amazing. Like They taste like dry-aged meat. Uh, they may be dry-aged. I don't even know. But a lot of quality is in their food. So the fast food places in the U.S. don't really compare to the ones in other countries, especially in Asia.
0: Wow. And so what's, what was your favorite country to uh, travel around and try the food?
1: Uh, I love Japan because the Japanese people, I mean, I wish I could go to China. That would be my number one answer. But Japan is beautiful because every city you go to, again, has their own flavors and, and distinctive uh, foods. And also, the Japanese people are pretty darn amazing. Like their uh, dedication to food is incredible. Like they'll grow a watermelon and they'll sell it for 150 bucks. You can take one bite, you're like, "That was the best 150 bucks I ever spent." <laughs>
3: wow.
2: Whoa. Did have you been to that famous sushi place? Like the
3: Jiro loves sushi
2: thing. Yeah. Or, yeah.
1: I heard it's extremely overrated by my local friends. Oh. Yeah. oh. Spicy. But they told me it's not a really a good environment. It's just going. It's like a. It's, in a train station or something that's what it, yeah. they're telling me I, I never been uh but uh but they recommend a lot of other sushi places so um i've been trying to get into that a little more okay
3: have you ever had whale in japan no in japan? i have not had whale
1: i think that's uh something i don't want to have <laughs> i feel like it's kind of um obviously it's a cultural thing but like i i don't i think they're beautiful creatures um i really don't think a cow's that beautiful so i can eat a burger no remorse (laughs) i mean some cows are really cute i i just have to kind of tune to now how cute they are sometimes uh but yeah i don't think i can eat a whale well i know there's there's one
0: restaurant that we both agree is a place we would really like to go back to but probably can't and it's that mcdonald's in admiralty hong kong that is like the most futuristic far out mcdonald's where you can order everything
1: Hong Kong is so great. I, I I really wish I could go back there again. Uh, Hong Kong is just such a wonderful place and um, food around every single corner. So never go hungry over there. Yeah.
0: We found a place that was recommended to us by a friend in Taiwan. We never would have found this. This was like a not a white people restaurant. No uh. offense, Shelly. <laughs> it was like you had to follow a maze into like a back alley or something. And they served, it was basically like a kind of macaroni and cheese with pig
1: cheek, crispy pig cheek, It's fantastic. I mean, pig cheeks are not very nice. They they are the uh one of the most juicy parts of the pig, lean but juicy.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why I really like uh the Filipino uh sisig, which that has a cool story where it's basically uh, as a result of like US uh military bases in there. Like there was not a lot of food around, so people would just buy the pig heads, the leftover pig heads from the U S army troops. And they basically used pig cheek and pig liver and pig ear to throw it all together and create this amazing dish.
1: Yeah. That's kind of similar to, uh, army stew, the story of army stew. Yeah. In Korea, which is, which is more spam, right? A lot of spam. They're little hot dogs. Yeah. A lot of cheap ingredients, but it's, it's amazing. It's amazing flavor. Yeah,
3: the only thing I I don't like about Korean food is the the metal chopsticks. I really have a hard time with those compared to wooden ones. Originally, they used bronze only because it was able to test detect
1: poison for royalty. So um, that's why they started using the the bronze uh, cookwares. Um, But it's it's nice because you get to eat your food. And if uh, someone's trying to attack you from behind, you can use it as a weapon. Jackie
0: Chan (laughs) really was your father, wasn't he?
1: (laughs) Now you know the rest of the story yeah
0: (laughs) well clearly even if nigeling doesn't want to do a collab with you i think i think the lesson from this is we should do some kind of food collab at some point i'd be down for that
1: well i I always happy to eat with you guys awesome
0: when (laughs) when the coronavirus is over and we can actually meet somewhere Uh, originally we kind of planned this to be a a hot pot interview but besides that being probably disgusting for everyone watching uh (laughs) logistics coronavirus wise make that quite difficult
2: oh yeah the the audio that would be terrible imagining you're listening to this on spotify or something ASMR. oh yeah if you don't even have the video <laughs> just random
0: <laughs> i think we made the right choice
1: well um when it's all over just save up all that pent-up hunger and just feast
0: nice the general sass chicken is on me, Mike.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, man.
0: Anyways, Mike, it was great having you on. Uh, good luck with everything. What What do you think is coming next with uh, either your show or the situation with uh, Uncle Roger?
1: Oh, uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, just taking a day at a time. Uh, my show is still releasing, so uh, I hope no more shocking stuff, but. Um, I guess that's that's the life sometimes sometimes things happen. So Uh, we'll see That's the only thing I can I can uh, I I, that's my biggest takeaway from last year is you can have all the plans you want Sometimes things happen
2: Well, um, mike, I just wanted to tell you this, uh, because we did a uh, part of our headlines episode that released today we talked about the situation with you and uncle roger and somebody commented You know, I love Mikey Chen from Strictly Dumpling. He's got a heart of gold and a bottomless pit for a stomach.
1: (laughs) Well, I appreciate that, uh, whoever commented. Um, But, yeah, uh, I think we all should have a bottomless stomach. That makes the world happier.
0: (laughs) Food brings people together. And definitely to anyone watching, be sure after watching this, you go over and uh, subscribe to Strictly Dumpling.
2: Uh, Mike, how do they find you on social media?
1: Uh, Strictly Dumpling. They can uh, Instagram. It's Mike X I N G C H E N. I'm I might be thinking about getting off Twitter because that's kind of a cesspool.
2: Yeah, Twitter's the worst.
1: So, but yeah, Instagram is great. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for being here, Mike. Best of luck to you. Well, I appreciate you guys for having me. Um. Yeah. Hot pot when this whole thing is over.
0: Done, and we won't film it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty hungry now.
2: I could do a hot pot.
0: I could yeah. do a hot pot. Yeah.
2: We could bring the stuff to the studio.
3: Yeah. That Nuts.
2: sounds
0: like more of a pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, we have hot pot to eat, so thanks for watching. Be sure to check out Strictly Dumpling. It's a fun show. It is. And um Maybe encourage Nigel Ling to do the right thing.
3: Yeah, I really liked Mike's message with that. Just trying to like understand where he's coming from and not hold it against him like i i just wish that more people had that kind of feeling towards people who've wronged them it would be a better world if a lot of people loved each other
0: the world would be a better place
2: do i get that quote i knew you, you're quoting something
0: the room you don't. well i guess you haven't seen it 100 times. million. I've only seen I the have. room once. Chris. Seen it
2: once with you. Oh my
0: gosh, it was the whole point of the movie. The whole climactic message behind Tommy Wiseau's art. You don't remember that. No. All right, over hot pot we're going to be watching The Room. Uh, uh
2: I'm suddenly they're really gonna, busy. They're gonna love yeah, I,
0: I
3: can't. <laughs> my living room is not available.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can learn a lot from The Room, especially in this day and age. Man of our time.
3: <sighs> Thanks for
0: watching China Unscripted. Once again, I'm Chris Chappell.
2: I'm Shelley Zhang. And I'm Matt Ganesta.
0: We'll see you next time.